Hello and welcome back to the Sons and Daughters podcast. We are so excited to be back officially. This is our first episode of 2022 and we may be rusty, but... (laughs) doesn't mean the podcast won't be great. So thank you for tuning in. Today, I'm your host, Christian, and I am joined by my beautiful sister-in-law. Hi, guys. Julie, just to specify which sister-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we keep growing. So I know. There's, there's a lot of beautiful sister-in-laws in the mix now, so we have to get specific. <laughs> well, today we are so joyful to be back here having conversations that matter and we thought it would be amiss not to jump right into what's currently plaguing our generation, plaguing our country, and that is the whole idea around protecting life. And what we want to do right now is make this a safe place. Go ahead and pull back the political film, if you will, Um, the heated conversations, and honestly, we've prayed for this to be a time of reflection and saying, God, what does your word say? Uh, what should our heart postures be coming into these very important, not only conversations, but decisions yeah. that we all have as American citizens? And if you're not in America, bless you, join us in praying for uh, everything that's happening. But we specifically want to talk about abortion coming in with Roe versus Wade and what does it mean to protect life? And why is that such a big deal and so close to God's heart? Yeah, and I appreciate that you pointed out how highly politicized this is. Because even when you first recommended that we chat about this, Christian, my initial response is like, ugh. And it's not because it doesn't matter or that I don't know that it's close to the heart of God. But anytime something get so intensely politicized. My response is just to pull back from it because I feel like the perspective of what's really going on is totally lost. It becomes a an issue that just fragments people, fragments relationships, fragments sexes. Like women across the board are now right. being, their relationships are being fragmented by these views that are coming into play. And I understand that this is a political issue, but much deeper than that, this is a heart of God issue. Mm -hmm. This is a, we as the people, the representatives, the hands and feet of Christ here on earth, what is our responsibility? And so I had to, I had to kind of check myself and get in the position of, God, what is purposeful in talking about this? And I share this with you guys because I know some of you out there might be like, ugh, I don't want to hear about this anymore. I don't want another conversation that's around abortion, that's around the Roe v. Wade decision, Supreme Court, Democrats, Republicans, all of it just Mm -hmm. feels like noise at this point. But we don't really have that option. I think it has been a fault of Christians in history that whenever things get to the point of so politicized, so heated, that some people will just take a step back. And it is right now what we're seeing, this dehumanization. You can look at the Holocaust. You can look at slavery. There are points where when we say a life is less than a life, we end up paying for it. So I think this conversation is so important when it is framed from what is our response? Mm -hmm. What is our response as Christians? Whether or not this gets overturned, how do we move forward from this in any case? Right. Like once you've seen something, you can't unsee it 
And if you choose to live like you've not seen it, you, you're not participating. You're not allowing thy kingdom come to play out through your life. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? What does our response as, as the church, the people of God? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm glad you set it up that way because I was even on the way over here thinking, how did we get there? Because mm. all of the things you mentioned of um, genocide, slavery, I don't think that, I mean, Hitler was a little crazy. But yeah. other than that, I don't think someone just said, hey, we should go do this extremism tactic. Like it starts with bit twisting, contorting, um, false ideas coming. And so I was just asking, I was like, God, how did we get here hmm. specifically so drastically in the last few years? And I don't think it's um, a coincidence that the last two years of isolation and fear mm -hmm. have brought on such drastic conversations. So what I think, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, of course, but the root of this problem is a mix of fear, mm -hmm. especially for women, um, those facing pregnancy and those not even facing pregnancy yet, but hearing it. Um, I remember when I first became pregnant, if you're not watching this, I'm seven months pregnant, so there's very <laughs> much a belly behind the microphone, but as excited as I was to have this new life come about, all of the things I've heard from fear mentalities just swarmed in. And that can be so true in any area of life. But I'm thinking of all of the women facing that fear of what will happen to my body? What will the future look like? And when we go so big into that, it does cause extremism. It does cause our actions to change. And so I think a fear, a lack of control, and a loss of purpose and... I want to set it up so, so clearly that we can speak to what is actually going on in our hearts and our minds and yeah. not just what's right and what's wrong, because yeah. that can feel icky, like you're saying. But on the way over here this morning, I saw a post from an organization that we follow that we're friends with, and they were sharing the amount of people that, which I did not think I would see this side of the equation yet, and heartbreakingly, we're seeing it now where people said, I think abortion should be allowed because I wish I would have been aborted. Like, I wish that was a reality because I don't see any value in my wow. life or anyone else's. And to me, that's the pinnacle yeah. of this argument is we have lost our sense of not even the sanctity of life for others, but even the value we hold and we carry. And so I think if we can't even, if we're fearful we're wanting control, and then we're at the point where, we're, well, what's the point of you in any of this? Like that's the root of this conversation. That's what it's not. Are we pro-life, pro-choice? It's do we value what God has placed within us? Yeah. Do we value our own life? Do we? Because you can't really value the life of unborn children, or realize that that is a life separate from the mother that they're growing within. Um, I was talking with Ad about this yesterday, and he referenced the scripture where it says that John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit within his mother's womb. Mm -hmm. That from that moment, there was such a differentiation between John the Baptist and his mother Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do think, you know, obviously we all believe that life does begin at conception. And um, yeah, it's... That's a tragic thing to hear. And I have to wonder, 
if the way that we all live so individualized, like your life is your life, my life is Mm -hmm. my life. Your problems are your problems. Yes, and your wins are your wins and somehow are actually stealing from the potential of my own wins. Mm -hmm. We live in a culture that is so individualized and we were never designed to be that way. So it's not surprising to me that there is this devaluing of our own life we can't see clearly when we're on our own and mm-hmm. scripture even says you look into a mirror and you walk away and you forget what you saw we were never intended to do this alone and so the context of community of real community which i don't even know that i know exactly what that looks like i know i long for it i long for it for my children for myself where there is such a level of self-sacrifice because okay you say to a woman don't have an abortion so she keeps the baby and maybe there's no father in sight or she wants to give it up for adoption and it goes into the foster system like this is a huge conversation Mm -hmm. and if we are going to enter into it which again i don't think we have any option except to enter into it we have to recognize that the largeness of what this is we're talking about. We have to, as churches, as people, as individuals, decide that we're gonna be a part of something larger and rise up to meet the needs, meet the needs of the foster care system, meet the needs of seeing like, here's a family and a mom who doesn't have a dad in the picture, What do we do? How do we come along them as a community? How do we as communities, as churches who are committed to one another, because we're all under the banner of Christ, say, yes, we'll take foster children, knowing that we're not saying yes alone, maybe it's our name on the documents, but that we have a community behind us to meet the needs of these kids. Because there's there's this lack of follow through, and I know we each play our parts in the bigger picture. And I have to remind myself of that when it feels so frustrating, like Mm -hmm. we're just kind of skimming the surface to make ourselves feel like we can check the box of doing what needs to be done in the abortion conversation as a follower of Christ. But the bigger picture here is that there's not communal living. Because even if there was a girl who came into a community saying, like, we're with you, we're around you, and that ends up looking like financial support, like people who come in to take care of the baby. You know, there are young girl, young single girls who believe they don't have a place. There are older women who believe they don't have a place. That, to me, is so indicative of the fragmentation amongst the people of God. Like we are one and we are better together. I don't even think that we know what that means or what that looks like, but I believe for us to now see laid out in front of us the strife and just the nastiness across our nation, how are we gonna answer that? How are we gonna say, okay, what does revival truly look like? What does repentance truly look like? Because like you're saying, Christian, there's so much behind How did we get here? And I'm thinking of the scripture um, in Ephesians where it says, and it's, it's interesting that they start out saying, 
Um, now, but my beloved one, I've saved the most important truth for last. It says, your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold the dark world in bondage. And another version reads, like, you're not fighting against flesh and blood. So for us, first and foremost, we have to step away from our screens. We have to hit our knees and we have to say, God, I don't know what part my lifestyle, my self-centered Western culture lifestyle has played in the culmination of these things so visible in front of us now that large portions of our nation are saying, it's my body. I just get to do what I want. I mean, we live... We live in a more urban setting now, and I'm driving around the city seeing all these like STD signs. And the visual picture on it is like, I just wanna have fun. I, want, I wanna have a good time, it's my life, but I wanna be protected. I wanna protect those I'm having fun with. This is all a mindset that is behind this right. idea that it's my body. I'm not going to let this like alien invade and take over. Covering my baby's ears. <laughs> you were not an alien. <laughs> no, but that's true. It's like an escapism, I think. And I think part of that is, it, I know this can feel a little, little grandiose in some senses of like, oh my gosh, I have to give all my money to a foster care and stand outside an STD center and all this to make a change. Um, and I want to laugh because I want to be to the point of, okay, let's let's find joy in how to love people behind this. But um, I have seen that escapism where it's like, well, I need an outlet of releasing myself. I need an out if something bad does happen. And part of that communal aspect you're talking about is the weaving of, I don't know, what I would imagine a girl in any of those scenarios would say is, I don't know what I do if this does get hard. Mm -hmm. I don't have someone to rely on. And part of that like two sides of the coin I think of what we're saying is we do need to do a better job of saying there is hope and showing what that looks like mm -hmm. and also as um, a pregnant woman right now and just thinking what can I do to help people but also what can I say to show them that there is joy amongst our trials mm -hmm. like it's no coincidence that Paul wrote so much of the Bible and said, you know, I have joy despite what I go through. I yeah. know that God is always with me. Um, someone the other day asked me, they're like, so do you love or hate pregnancy? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, God, how do I even answer that with being honest and joyful? It's one or the it other. It <laughs> really seems like it. Like you're either out there having sex, having fun, having choices, or you're this mom that's like weighed Trapped. down by her kids. If you know Julie, she has four kids and she is one gorgeous, fulfilling, able to help others. Like it does feel like if I take on any responsibility or there are any trials that my life is over, joy is lost, and there's meaninglessness. But if I can encourage anyone, like, I love being pregnant, not because every day is easy, yeah. not because um, I just have a husband, like, even thinking about birthing, I'm like, he is great. He's fantastic. I'm so happy for him. But there are real things that one, I don't have control over. Mm -hmm. Two, I could be fearful on. And three, uh, I just don't know what it's going to look like and it's going to require a strength of me. So in all of this, we're saying like, one, 
and this is not to have all the answers. Yeah. Um, one, we're not that smart. <laughs> as many <laughs> books as Julie be, reads. And, yeah, <laughs> we're not that smart. And yeah. it's never just a, a simple answer. But I think what we're saying is in and of ourselves and in and of the sons and daughters community is how can we come together with people in any stage of life, not just when it relates to pregnancy, and be more communal. And then two, what joy and strength do we have that we are not tapping into because we're too afraid to go there? Yeah, and I, I, let, I really appreciate that you put it that way, Christian, because it is like there's a, it's layered. There's a, a big grandiose, which you can get totally bogged down by, but then there's your individual life. So you choosing to be a joy-filled, expectant, excited, pregnant mother is such an impact. Like it echoes beyond what you could know. And um, I feel like First Timothy 2.15 is one of the most hated scriptures by women because it has been fashioned into a beat stick for however many years. And Lisa knows more of this than any of us about like women not needing to be quiet and submissive. Um, of course, there's a cultural context for all of that, but that's a that's a different podcast episode. Um, <laughs> TBD. But at the end of it, it talks about that she will be saved through childbearing. And that has been so misunderstood. Like we are somehow trying to earn our salvation through the pain of childbearing and childbirth. And it's like, you got to earn it. You have to work for it. But the truth that I have experienced through my four labors and pregnancies and deliveries, not in that order, um, <laughs> is that it is a partnership. Mm -hmm. That God is so specific and really like so sweet to choose women to come alongside him in that partnership. And I, I honestly could almost shed tears thinking of the fact that Addison will never get to experience that. Like to be the ones who get to partner with God in the bringing of human life. It's so common that we treat it as um, just common, but it is miraculous. And anyone who's ever been in the room when a baby has entered the world through their mother knows like that is the thinnest of spaces where heaven is touching earth and so knowing that what God has for us through that is so precious like each time and through each child that you say yes to because it is a choice like you have a choice whether you're uh, whoever you are you have a choice if you're going to say yes to when God beckons you to bring another child into the world whether you're pregnant already or you have yet to get pregnant or you're you know trying whatever it is you make the choice and when you say yes is when God meets you there through the Holy Spirit through such strength that propels you forward in who you are as a human mm -hmm. like I am a better human for having had my children. The design is so specific to bring us to a new level of loving and understanding love that nothing else in the world can do. Mm -hmm. It just can't. 
And that's not to say if you've any, it's not to say anyone is less than. All I can do is speak from my own experience that matches so specific with the word of God, Mm -hmm. that this is a gift. To partner with God in bringing human life is an incredible gift. And to debase it and see it only through the eyes of what it takes from you or what it costs you is just foolishness, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the most erroneous axioms that I hear is that abortion is feminism or female empowerment. Mm -hmm. Because when I think of what's going to empower me, um, it's nothing that's false or can just be supplemented. Like it has to be something innate to who I am. Yeah. Like that's what empowers me when yeah. someone see, you know, when someone sees you. And calls for. Yeah. And so if I think of womanhood, I think that is, we are the, we are the only gender that can do this. Yeah. And I was even thinking of, um, you know, it's really cool that God took a rib from Adam and probably in his fashion, since how he healed the blind man, he just like, hawked a loogie, put some dirt on a rib, and was like, there's a woman, there she is. And that must have been really neat for Adam to see, but he's the only man in history that gets a portion of what you're saying, that miracle. But we have the strength, and I love how you're saying it, the partnership and opportunity to say, God, I'm going to do this with you. Um, I realize that this is not in and of myself, this strength that is innately female is beautiful and by design. And we don't have to sacrifice or slander children or men to yeah. find strength as women. We have it by God's design already. Yeah. And I just think that's, that's wonderful. And that's the baseline for me. If someone says like, well, you, you know, your belly might not look the same. It probably won't, at least for a little bit, but like I it wouldn't either way, ten, <laughs> right. twenty years from now. Seriously, and and why why should it? Or that's a yeah. Again, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> but um, yeah, I and this isn't just a pro pregnancy <laughs> podcast, but there are so many joys that I'm finding along the way after I have, as you're saying, embraced the choice mm-hmm. that have surprised me that I wouldn't experience if it was met with hesitation. I feel like yeah. And yeah. so there is, you know, our choice, and our mindset, um, again, letting go of fear, letting go of lack of control and just saying like, God, you have to, you have to be behind this. And there's so much, again, yeah, there's so much joy waiting when we see it through that lens. There absolutely is. And I think that's key for honestly, the kind of the big picture we're talking about with the communal aspect is letting letting go of fear, letting go of your need for control and on the, the more, you know, smaller macro level is letting go of those same things and genuinely like trusting God. Mm-hmm. I love Hebrews 4.15 where it talks about how we don't have a high priest that can't empathize with what mm-hmm. we go through. And no matter if you're listening to this as someone that is in that category of trying, pregnant, um, already delivered your children, single mom, whatever it may be, or you're someone that says, I understand this is, um, I don't want to say a fight because it just sounds polarizing, but this is something that I need to be a part of. As a believer, we can take that verse of, you know, Jesus gave his spirit, his body. He gave his self to be there for us and to be um, 
our Savior. So what does it look like to, either in pregnancy, give of our bodies and ourselves mm-hmm. to creating life, or in a community, give of our time and energy to, um, for lack of better words, make the world a better place. I think that's how we embrace a higher way of being, and that's how we see change in this area, not by thinking it all has to be done through legislation or overnight in this really grand way, but each and every day, how can I fight for each in every life, pre-born, post-born, pre-womb, post-womb, how do we value what God has put within us and within other people? So whatever season you're in, and even if you're a male listening to this, let's embrace a higher way of being by valuing each and every single life. So good, Christian. Thank you guys for being with us for this conversation, for tuning in. We ask that if this has impacted you or just meant anything to you, that you would share it, that you would subscribe, that you really would help us to get these truths into the lives of other people, to the people that you care about. And let us know what topics, I feel like we threw out several topic options (laughs) that you would love to hear from the Sons and Daughters team. Until next time, Julie and Christian and babies.